This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Welcome into episode 94 after night one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, last night, you know, I got a, it's funny, I got a, I got a text message from my dad last night, but I got it this morning because, you know, I, I fell asleep watching the NHL network because, you know, they put the human ambient on again. Um, yeah, it's just brutal, man. Like, I'm going to name names Brian Lawton. I mean, you need to sleep at night. Throw on Brian Lawton, ladies and gentlemen, and that'll put you right to bed. But anyway, so I get my text from my dad this morning, and it says, you know, you watch 82 games, then you actually get to watch some real hockey. You know, like like my dad tunes in, you know, he sees all the Canadian games up there. He's always putting a game on. I think he loves hockey more now than he ever did. And, you know, it's like you, you turn on the Leafs-Tampa game and you see an unbelievable game. You turn on another game, you see an unbelievable game. Turn on another game, you see an unbelievable game. And it's just the, the play elevates so much that I, I don't even know which game to start with. I mean, I guess Toronto-Tampa Bay to me just looks like it's going to be, it's going to be a, an unbelievable series. Well, it's it, it, it's two star star uh, driven teams. Offensively, um, you have the the makeup. Uh, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are trying to knock off the two time defending Stanley Cup champs that you know, have all, all the star power. They are loaded with star power, whether in, in all positions, you know, the Steve Stamkos and, and the Braden point and, and, uh, Nikita Kucherov on the forward line. You have Victor Hedman on the back end, who's arguably the best overall defenseman in the national hockey league. And they have the number one goaltender in Vasilevsky. They are set up to have success again, but, I'll tell you right now, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, they overwhelmed, they overwhelmed the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it seemed like, you know, bounces were were going uh Toronto's way. They capitalized, they scored a, you know, a a power play goal, an even strength goal, and a shorthanded goal with the with their first three goals. Um, and they just they just kept on going. And then when, when shit hit the fan at the end of the game and you could see that the, there was some irritation with, uh, with um, you know, some physicality in the game, both teams right now have, have the guys that can, that can stand up and take care of that part of the game. So what, Kyle, this- what Kyle Clifford did was complete fucking bullshit. That was complete bullshit. And that could have – that honestly – if Tampa Bay scores a couple goals on that power play, I mean, it is like it's it's over. Yeah, it's over on an emotional, stupid play that a guy who has won what two cups? Did he win yep. two cups with LA? Yep, won two cups with LA. Knows that that's that you can't make that hit. Yeah. You can't make that hit in game fifty three of the regular season. What makes you think you can make that hit in game one of the playoffs when? When all the eyes and pressure are on your organization and you need every bit of even strength, ice time, or power play time, not shorthanded time against against arguably the most offensively dynamic team when they have their shit together in Tampa Bay, why would you go and do something so ridiculously stupid? Yeah, because, listen, I, like, I, that's I not don't, sending a message. It's I don't think it was egregious. I don't think it was a, a, a hit or a play that Kyle Clifford was targeting and, and wanting you know? to hit to hurt. I, I think he was just, he ended up making a hit in the corner, came back in a back check, and he hit the guy in a vulnerable position. And he, he paid for it. I, yeah. I like, there shouldn't be sus- like uh, a suspension or anything like that. Like I think that would be ridiculous if there was suspension. But um, well, let's talk about something else. Did you? You obviously saw the melee. Like ESPN goes to commercial in the middle of a scrum. Brilliant. And then they come back, and now we got to watch this melee in replay. And as I'm watching this melee, I'm sitting here thinking, like, is is this real? Is this actually happening right now in the playoffs, or did this just happen? And I get on the phone with my brother. He calls me because we're both watching the game, Riv. 
Do you know how that entire incident could have been diffused? No. Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons needs to not look at the score and think, I'm too fucking good to fight. I don't need to fight you right now. It's five nothing Leafs. No. You turn around and you fight Maroon or you fight Perry, whichever one wants to fight, because this has been going on all season. The last two games they played against one another. And if he goes and fights, guys don't get the shit beat out of him in that scrum. It's all put to rest. Wayne Simmons thought for a second that I'm too cool for school. I don't need to fight. We're winning five nothing. Well, look what happens. You got Maroon thumping guys. You got other guys getting the shit beat out of them. Because obviously it was going to continue to escalate. Those guys were hungry. Wayne Simmons has a job to do. And that was part of his job last night. I don't give a yeah, shit what the score I- was. You fucking fight and you defuse everything. Get the shit beat out of you or beat the shit out of somebody. But you end it right there. And you well, put none of your other teammates in danger. Because well, he was I, obviously I understand what target. Wayne Simmons is trying to do. Okay, Wayne, the Toronto Maple Leafs controlled this game on every single level. Okay, they controlled it in uh, the power play with an Austin Matthews goal. They controlled it in a um, shorthanded situation where uh, Kempf ended up scoring a a beautiful shorthanded goal. They they had their stars on the board with Austin Matthews having two goals and Mitch Marner scoring his first uh, his first playoff goal. This team was rolling, okay? And I think what Wayne Simmons was thinking was, if I'm going to fight, it's going to be on my terms, not your terms. You're not going to dictate things. And I understand where you're going with this. You could have easily diffused the situation, but I think the, the, the right mindset is I'll fight when I'm ready to fight because we're controlling everything. You're not going to spark your team by, by me, by you coming at me, you know, having a fight and that maybe engaging and energizing my team. You and I both have had to fight at many different circumstances of a game opening of a game because your team's been flat the last five end of a game because your team just got pounded end of a game because your team just pounded somebody and they want to, they want to, to save face, you know, guy gets run over every different circumstance that you can imagine. We had to answer the bell for period, end of story. So there's no better, there's no better, uh, two better people to discuss this than you and I. And I can honestly tell you that if I'm on that bench or I'm on that team, I'm sitting there saying, fucking fight the guy, fight him, get it over with. Because you think Tampa Bay is just going to decide to shut it off after Wayne Simmons says, no, no, they have 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. And the game is already over. So they're not playing to tie it up. They're playing to maybe hurt. They're playing to maybe send a message. They're playing to, first of all, I don't know why the hell they kept Vasilevsky in there. I don't know why you just don't pull him. Okay. But. All I'm saying is, you know, like I love Wayne Simmons. I love Wayne Simmons. I love, I couldn't stand that, uh, you know, you know, shit that was happening with the last time they played, you know, and then, you know, Maroon would fight him. He wouldn't fight him, whatever. They end up fighting, whatever. But this was a moment, in my opinion, where you don't look at the score and you don't say I'm in control. You say, I need to do this for the best interest of the rest of the team. Because if Maroon's not gone, for five minutes and gets his fight, then guess what? Maroon's going to come out next shift. And who knows who he ends up against? Yeah. Who knows if he goes and runs over? He was trying to run everybody last night. So anyway, that's, that's my thought on that. I get what you're saying. I know, I know what you mean. Um, and I, and I, I kind of agree with what you're trying to say is, it would be a lot easier for Wayne Simmons just to go and have an altercation because then it diffuses that situation and none prevents, of your other teammates get into prevents you know, Lebushkin, prevents Morgan Riley, prevents anybody else from having to get involved in that. They could just skate away into the sunset on a five nothing loss. And maybe Wayne, you you know, you have a cut on your cheek or whatever, but still, end of the day, like you gotta you that's your job. 
that's your job at that moment. You got to defuse the entire situation. And, and unfortunately you're the sacrificial lamb. Yes. But I, again, I understand what Wayne Simmons is saying that we will fight when we want to fight, we are dictating the entire game. We can now dictate this part of the situation unless you, uh, things escalate. I think the series is going to be very interesting. It's not over. I mean, oh, it's no. far from over. I thought Kucherov was off. I don't think he played anywhere near his best game. And you have Steve Stamkos is getting feather passes across the box on a power play, and he and he and he misses an open net. That's a three. Which, that's that's a three-one game right there. Yeah. That changes the whole out, outlook of the game. Like Tampa's thinking, man, we're back in this. Two goals, they can do that with the amount they had. They had a a period and, and 10 minutes left. They had half a game left. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this Toronto, Toronto in their building. They played, they played a damn near perfect playoff game. They had their stars on the board. They had solid goaltending. Um, they defended well, which they have not been defending well for a long time. And uh, they shut down a, a pretty potent offense in Tampa Bay, and and that's a real good sign. It's what these guys need to realize. the The most fun about the playoffs is it is truly one game at a time, and every game is going to be different. Some games are going to be high scoring. Some games are going to be one goal games, low scoring. Um, some games are going to be highly emotional with the physicality part. Some are going to be. Not so much. I mean, you just you need to regroup and restart after each and every game. Well, I picked the Leafs, so I'm really happy about that result. But I don't, like you said, I don't feel like that uh, series is anywhere near being over. Although, although I will just I will end talking about this series on on this note. Maybe. Just maybe, because there's been all this talk about Tampa Bay and how many games of hockey they've played over the years, the condensed seasons, the bubble. You know, like they've played a lot of hockey. Is Could fatigue just be setting in over the years? And could you blame them for that? You know, I mean, that's that's something that I wonder. I mean, it's a lot harder, I feel, these days. I mean, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the slightest clue about what I'm talking about, but I guess I can assume that it would be a lot harder these days to – maybe win three in a row or four in a row than it was back in the eighties, like the Oilers. But I don't know. I don't know if that's true to be quite yeah. honest with you. I, 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 I have no clue. I don't know for me, if, if, if that's the case, the fatigue factor, I think uh, the bodies of these, of these men, they're, they're like machines. Okay. They take care of them themselves, you know, better than we ever did in our time. Okay. A lot of these guys have massage therapists. They have therapists that work individually uh, on their body and their, their specific needs. Um, they have, you know, diet nutritionists, nutritionists, they sports have, psychologists. <laughs> they have everything. Like everything. a lot of these guys spend a lot of money to make sure that they are in tip top shape, shape. Uh, to be able to play this game at the highest level. And um, I don't think it's a factor of fatigue physically, but I can tell you that, um, you know, two years ago or three years ago, the Tampa Bay Lightning were probably a lot hungrier to win a Stanley Cup than what they are right now. And that plays, that plays a big factor in this, okay? The hunger factor of, of, of continuing to, to try and win games. You have a you have an extremely strong team in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, they have been set up to win. They throughout the the regular seasons they've won a tremendous amount of games. They're one of the the most prolific offenses in in uh, the National Hockey League, and now they've solidified. I think their back end, which they they have some phys- physicality, they have some leadership. You know, TJ Brody and Mark Giordano are older statesmen. Jake Muzzins won uh, a couple Stanley Cups in L.A. Uh, Morgan Riley is a world-class uh, defenseman, one of the top 
And then you have this uh, Lilia Labushkin <laughs> out of freaking nowhere. He is just a mean, physical, defensive hockey player. He's exactly what they need. He plays about 10, maybe 15 minutes a night on at the most. But it's the way he plays the game. He's a nasty, he's physical, he's in your face, he wants to crush you. He's kind of like a uh, Racco Gudis, okay? And that's exactly what the Toronto Maple Leafs have needed. And right now, their defense core seems to be real strong, okay? They have the offense. They have the guys that are, are going to get it done offensively um, with, their, with, their, with their big guys, with the Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. Those guys are going to produce offensively. But what they're also getting offensively of the, is they're getting that secondary um, um, scoring who, you know, this, um, how do you say his last name, uh, Mikhailov? Yeah. He's fantastic. Like, I mean, he is fantastic. He is a heck of a hockey player. Um, he's really, really coming into his own. Um, very, very dangerous. And, you know, when you're getting that secondary scoring from, from those types of players, when you're getting scoring throughout the lineup the, in, the, in the deeper part of your lineup, you know you're going to be a pretty hard team to play against. Matthew's two goals, man. This guy is uh, this guy is just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, trade him, eh, Petey? Can you can we just can we just like uh, not hang on to every word that someone says? Like, uh, just can we not just enjoy the moment? Do we have to go back and keep reminding? I I'm not going to back off of that stance, but let's like you can't do anything about it right now. Yeah, my job is to to keep you on your toes. Well, I mean. I, I, I think some people might have thought that when I said that, that I was just trying to be a shit disturber. But the truth of the matter is, is that like I, I was really, I was kind of serious. But that was back when he had like one or two goals in his first 10 games of the year. Then he goes and scores yeah. 51 and 50, and you're sitting there going like, okay, I mean, maybe. Okay. Uh, it's not that bad. Maybe you don't want to move that. Maybe, maybe, hey, maybe when I was on TSN and I said that, Maybe he heard about it. Maybe that. Maybe I'm the reason why he lit the lamp this year. I mean, some of yeah, us can take, could have been, could have been. Um, Boston, Carolina. That one didn't quite go as as you planned. I didn't see Carolina spanking Boston five to one. To be honest with you, but again, long series. But still, I mean, it's funny. Someone tweeted us yesterday, and they said, you know, Craig talks about Rod the Bod and his coaching and his style and the team and how they play, and then he goes and takes the Bruins in the first round. Well, listen, I mean, I, I respect both these two teams. Um, I, I, I talked about Rod the Bod, Brendan Moore, because I, I, I had the opportunity to play against him throughout my entire career, and the way he played the game – um, was very irritating for the opponent that you played against. He gave 150%. And here's the, here's the thing that you have to understand. He gave 150% at both ends of the ice. Okay? Both. He did not value offense more than defense or vice versa. He played the game 200 feet. He was physical. He was offensive. He was defensive. He was a face-off specialist. He was detailed-oriented. He was an outstanding hockey player. And I would only expect that he would play or he would coach exactly the way he played. So when you look at Carolina, I did not pick them. I, I, I picked Boston Bruins and maybe it was because of Boston Bruins and the pedigree that they have. They have some more um, elite players, the Pasternak's that is, you know, one of the top five goal scorers in the, in the NHL today. Brad Marchand has always been one of the top point producers, top 10 point producers for years. They have probably the best defensive forward in the game and in, in uh, Patrice Bergeron, but they also have depth in, in, in Boston. Okay. They have depth in Boston 
And I was just thinking because of Carolina, they lost their number one goaltender in Freddie Anderson, who is absolutely lights out this year. That was that for me was kind of like that deciding factor. Okay. But I'm wrong. I'm wrong in the first game, at least. I'm wrong because uh, there was five different goal scores in a 5-1 win over the Bruins. They have a lot of uh, they have a lot of players in Carolina that basically play a 200 foot game. Jordan Stahl, Domi, Troychek, Sebastian Aho, Sergachev. I mean, you go through their lineup. Talking Miami, they are a 200 foot hockey team. They're defensively responsible. They're tough to play against because they play Rod Brennamore hockey. And uh, you know what? I, Boston lost the first game, but I do not count Boston out because I think they have a lot of uh, special tools in their toolbox. Right. And again, it's only, it's only game one, but these are all statement games. Did you, no, not did you, what did you think of Jared Spurgeon's cross check to the back of Bushnevich's ankles while he was down on the ice? Um, you really need to think about it this long? It's a disgusting what, play. Is it a disgusting play? Okay. Fucking right, it's disgusting. What happened? Okay. He could have snapped his goddamn ankle. What do you mean, is it disgusting? That's as filthy as it gets. Like the gut, you could have you could have twisted his knee, could have broken his ankle. I mean, what are we talking about here? That is like if he's down on the ice and he, and, and Bushnevich is standing up and he wants to cross check the shin or whatever, like he's not gonna hurt him. This is actually a play where he's in, there's intent to injure. Blatant intent to injure. A player without oh, question. I don't know if I feel the same way because I've done ten times worse than this. It's just uh, this is this is a uh, a play out of frustration. It's a four nothing. Uh, it's a four nothing game right now. This these are the playoffs. Things are going to get nasty. Um, and you know, like listen, Spurgeon is what five nine, one hundred and seventy five pounds. On a what does height day? and size and weight have to do with a dirty play? Because a guy who's six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, if he does the same things, might snap a guy's leg in half. That's the difference. This guy's like Mighty Mouse. I mean, he's not a he's not a big guy. What 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 else is he supposed to do? What do you mean? What else? Uh, that's not even a hockey play. What's that's not that? a hockey play. What are oh, okay. you? What are you even well, talking? Uh, I don't know. Is that not a hockey play? We're in the playoffs. You're down four nothing. You're going to try and spark something. Uh, you know, I mean, frustrations. Spark are gonna... something like try to break a guy's ankle or bone or like. Come on, you can't look at that play when a guy's down on his knee and yep. he has to he has to turn his skate sideways, right? So the toe of his so his his skate is resting sideways on the on the on the inside of his foot is resting on the ice and the guy chops down on his ankle. Okay. What's the I think he should be suspended. Oh I think that this guy should absolutely be suspended. Two games at least. Two games at least for the optics of it. Never mind, like, uh, if there's an so injury. What's the or not? difference between just, you know, you're cross checking someone in, in the back? Standing up? Yeah. A, a lot different. What's the difference? Um, that there's some give. You come down on someone's leg like that. And you apply, I don't care how much the guy weighs and you put force into it. I mean, you can, you could, he could have snapped the guy's leg. I believe he could have broken his friggin' leg. What are you talking about? What do you like? What kind of science experiment do you have to run? And how many times would you have to test this out to, to actually, Did did it look so this guy, Jared Spurgeon cross checks down on the back of the legs because he's he's on his knees and he cross checks on the back of the legs you think that's that's going to be something that's going to hurt 
Bushnevich? I absolutely believe that's something that can that can hurt any player. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's, like it's he's minimal. on his knees. Bushnevich is on his knees, and his feet are behind him. And then all of a sudden, Spurgeon just decides to cross check down on the back of his legs. It's I mean, like, what are we talking about here? Like, this is it's a disgusting play. It's absolutely it's using your stick in a non, in a non hockey play as as a as a weapon almost. Oh my god. If this is if this is a dirty play, then I mean I don't know what I can't wait to watch what the the rest of the playoffs is going to bring. First of all, Jared Spurgeon is not a dirty player to begin with. They're down four nothing. It doesn't excuse what he did, but I don't look at this and say this is this is unacceptable and. Ex- and, and he should be suspended two games for it. Well, actually, well, here's something I'll add. He had 10 Could, penalty minutes this year. Jared Spurgeon. I don't care. Penalty, who thing. cares about penalty? What do you mean he had 10? Why are we measuring up uh, the, uh, how many penalty minutes a person has? You know why he only has 10, 10 minutes in the, you know why he wouldn't do this in the regular season? Because he probably would have had his teeth cross-checked out of his mouth or his, his nose broken. In the playoffs, he probably feels safe. By the way, uh, Clifford is scheduled for a phone hearing today. Just saying for his uh, his hit on uh, uh, Colleton, Col- Colton, Col- Col- Jeremy Colton. So is, was Colton. Colton injured after that play? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I don't see a suspension in that. He had a five minute major. He paid his price, and now it's move on. Now they're probably going to say, "Listen, I mean, you are warned. You are warned in game one." five-minute major you you put your team in in harm's way and now if we see something else throughout these playoffs that we do not like you will definitely be suspended i don't think we're getting on a call for a warning he's going to be suspended that's going to be suspend a suspension for sure whether it's one game two games you know, three would be a little bit much with some of the, the lame-ass suspensions we've seen for other things. Like, if he gets three games for that, that's that's brutal. But he'll probably get one. And I think Spurgeon should get one. I definitely think Spurgeon should have a call. Yeah. If he, do, like, if he doesn't... He's getting no call for that. That's, that's for damn sure. And that's part of the problem. Um, you were right, though. You picked the Blues over the wild, at least, you know, in the series. The Blues... Uh... The Blues have been playing exceptionally well. Okay, um, one thing that when you when you think about the St. Louis Blues, and at least I do over over the years, is they they seem to be more of a strong um, defensive, more of a defensive style team. Um, right now, they have scored a lot of goals. In the in their in their last number of games, um, you know they they just seem to be uh, finding ways to to put the puck in the net, and uh, they're going to be a tough team to play against. Their goaltenders playing exceptionally well. Um, they have strong a strong defense core, and they have a really good strong forward unit. They have they have the veteran leadership group. You know, the Ryan O'Reilly's, the David Perron, who had four points in the game, who scored a hat trick. Um, you know, this, you know, Tarasenko, they have guys that have been through the war before. But they also have these young, up and coming superstar type players like they have their Braden Shens, their 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 sod. Um, Bozak, Perron, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, but then they have these young players in like Jordan Caillou and and Robert Thomas. These are unbelievable players, unbelievable young players that had insane, insane seasons this year. So they are extremely, extremely deep when it comes to their their offensive uh, units. It's going to be an extremely, extremely difficult team to play against. 
Well, I did not pick St. Louis, although I feel I don't know I don't know why, but I just I feel like uh, St. Louis doesn't have what it takes to repeat. But then someone calls me yesterday and they said St. Louis is going to win the cup this year. There are people that actually they strongly believe that they are the strongest team in the West for yeah. whatever reason. Well, but, you know what, Ter- uh, Tori Krug, you know Colton Perenko, um, you know Justin Falk who has, like, I mean, Justin Falk has had a really strong season, 47 points, 16 goals. He's really had a rebound season. They, had, they, they picked up Charlie, Le- uh, Nick Letty. Um, they have a, you know, a big man and Robert Bertuzzo. Their defense in the back end is a really strong unit to go with a very, very strong offense that play the game in the defensive zone exceptionally well. So this is a really, really dark horse team. I picked them to beat uh, uh, Minnesota. I, I, I really, really do like Minnesota, but there's just something about St. Louis to me that they're going to be very dangerous in the playoffs. Uh, what, what the only game last night that surprised me, even though I didn't pick St. Louis over Minnesota, but I mean, I'm not surprised by the outcome, but I was surprised that LA took game one from Edmonton. You know, I mean, that, that was Alex Iafalo, by the way, Western New York native, got to throw that in there. He, uh, hit a goal and an assist in the game. He's turned himself into quite a player. I'll tell you that much. He was at Sabres training camp, eh? by the way, by the way, Tim Murray invited him to Sabres training camp a long, long time ago and let him go. Let him walk away, and then here he is. He's one of the unbelievable skater. This kid, um, but so yeah, I mean McDavid, Drysaitel doing their thing, but just I just don't know if it's going to be enough for Edmonton. I feel like they have the, they only have the two ponies. They don't have goalies. You know, it's just I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's going to be tough for Edmonton. To be honest with you, even though I picked them, I just I don't know. I think they have two players, and after that, it's like it's slim pickings. Yeah, um, I will say this, that I still, I still believe in Edmonton. I still believe that they will win this, this, uh, this series. Um, Edmonton is, is, is very much like L.A. They're like a yo-yo. You really do not know what you're going to get. The only constant that you're going to get um, – the only constant that you're going to get in this series is that Connor McDavid is going to produce. And you know that he is going to produce. You can't stop him. And it, and it was clear when he, he's on the power play, picks up the puck in his zone, skates down the entire ice, dipsy doodles, cuts to the middle and rips a shot on net and scores. I mean, you're not going to be able to shut this guy down, but you want to try and limit everything that he does on the ice. You want to try and take away his speed. That's the most important thing is to, is to have him not pick up the puck with speed because when he does, he's, he's damn near unstoppable because his, his movements and shifts, I mean, you're, you're talking, I, I'm watching him score that goal last night. We're talking about NHL top end players, best players in the world. And he's still juking and jiving them out of their jocks and, and getting shots on net. Like, I, I don't understand how he can even get over the blue line and to be able to cut to the middle of the, in, the net and, and shoot a puck is beyond me, but they have to do. They they have to continue to shut down Connor McDavid because he is he is a a large large part of the offense. And the other the other side of it is L.A. has to uh, they have to score their goals on on their side because if they do not score, Connor McDavid is going to score. He is going to produce. He is going to set guys up, and you can't stop. That's just the way it is. But you have to limit him, and you have to hope that L.A. Can can score the goals needed to be able to win a game, and they did it in the last game. They scored four, which is too many. Why I said, you know, 
So that brings us to tonight's matchups. You got Pittsburgh at the Rangers, Caps at Florida, Nashville at Colorado, Dallas at Calgary. So some uh, some good games to watch there tonight. I'm looking forward to the Pittsburgh Rangers series. In fact, we just as we're as we're recording this, uh, just got a t- just got a tweet from somebody. Rivs, when you guys are talking about New York Rangers goaltending, Shiz Gherkin, Shiz Gherkin, Shit Sturkin. Slash Glorkin. This guy obviously listens and knows how badly you butcher. Can you say, can you try to say his name right now one time? Sturkin. Oh, whoa. Less, less, uh, less heat in there. What is it? I only said it once. I'm only going to say it. I said it pretty good, though, right? I didn't hear it. Sturkin. There you go. There you there go. go. So yesterday you brought something up to me about Sabres players. You said, uh, there were a certain amount of players that were going or maybe going to the worlds and not going to the worlds. How do you feel about players going to the world championships, especially, you know, after a year like this year where you have guys that are, you know, you need them healthy and everything for next year. You need your guys to be ready to rock and roll. I know you want them playing in more, more hockey games of, of this level and this caliber. But at the same time, I'm thinking I've never liked players going to the world championships. I can't believe teams let guys go. Oh, wow. So I, I, I know you want a gold. I know you want a gold at the world championships, but I just, I sit and I think, why would they allow this? I I'm, I'm super confused with, with your thought on this. So can it, explain to me why you wouldn't want your players to go to the world championships. Same reason, same reason why I feel the way I do about the Olympics. I I love the Olympics. I love the Olympic hockey. I just, from the standpoint of like from the management standpoint, owner, GM coaches, you know, you have a guy go over there, blow his knee out or shoulder out. And you're looking at, three, four months of rehab for the guy. And that's the entire summer gone. You know, okay, so, so what's the difference of him playing in the playoffs and blowing his knee out and he's gone for the entire well, summer? Well, you're playing for the team you're, that you're getting paid by, you know, like that, those are things you can't prove. That's part of the game. But when you have all these players, like the guys that go to the world championships for the most part are either really young up and coming guys or they're your most skilled guys and your highest paid guys, you know, like if like, I don't want Alex Tuck going to the world championships. I'm using him as an example because I think you said he was undecided. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a Sabres management, I don't want Alex Tuck or players of the like on any other team going because number one, he just missed eight months. You know, he just came back. He's had a great season, like a great season. I would love for him to have to take two, three weeks off, enjoy himself, and then get into his his postseason workouts and come ready to rock and roll to lead this team next year to wherever this team's going to go. And I I say this team, but I mean that for every team. Like when I played in New Jersey, Lou Lamorello did not like players going and playing in the world championships. He did not like it. In fact, I think he forbid players from going to play at times in the world championships. So, you know, that's, it's, it's no different than the Olympics for me. I've, I, I'm, I'm on the record as saying, I don't like the Olympics because, you know, look at the John Tavares incident years ago, whatever year that was, maybe 2012, 24, I don't know what Olympics it was. I don't know what year was the Olympic year, but he blew his knee out. Islanders are in a playoff spot. They're fighting for a playoff spot. He goes to the Olympics, blows his knee out, doesn't finish the year. They miss the playoffs. I remember that. I remember that so well because I was doing a radio show at the time and we talked about it often. We talked about that specific incident. And ever since then, I have just been against players going to the Olympics and going to these tournaments that are non-team related, period. End of story. I mean, it, I don't know what's so confusing about it. I'm not saying that world championship sucks. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, in fact, I don't even know why they have the world championships because they're not even the best players that are there. They're the best of what they feel they have. 
And, and I'm going to, I'm just going to stop you, you know, I, I, okay. I, I understand your opinion, but I completely differ, disagree with it. So, so what you're asking is for the guys that um, do not make the playoffs, you expect them to sit out April, May, June, July, August, September, and then be ready to play in the middle of October. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. I don't understand your reasoning then, because if you're playing in the world championships, you have to be on the ice. Okay. You have to be on the ice. You have to continue to work your body's mental. Okay. To work towards something. You're training and skating and staying on the ice, just like the guys are, are doing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're continuing to drive your body, not in a bad way, in a good way, to, to stay sharp and stay on the ice. Because if you don't, you're off for five, almost six months before you start your, your, your next season in the middle of October. Yeah, but that's your next season. Training camp starts middle of September. So you got to, that's two, two and a half, three weeks right there. So it's not October. You're, you're padding your, your statistics here or you're when, padding your length. When of time. do you play your first exhibition game? It's like the two days after September, training. two days after training camp starts. So like, well, training camp starting on like the 16th or the 20th of, of, uh, I don't think it's that late anymore. It is that late. I don't know if it is. But either way, I mean, I don't care about the length of time. I don't care. In fact, you know what's funny? It's five is months I, not, not playing, not playing competitive hockey, not basically driving your body towards something. Then you have all these other guys that are playing in the playoffs, and they're playing in, uh, they're playing in May. They're playing in June. It's important to be on the ice. It's important to be playing games that are important i know what i heard about is 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 important yeah i okay but i mean it's like i heard rod brindamore um and i I don't know how many times he didn't make the playoffs i mean i'd have to go back and check that out but from what i from what i was told i remember someone telling me that rod brindamore used to um, if he didn't make the playoffs or if they were eliminated from the playoffs in like the first or second round or whatever, he would continue to work out. Now, I don't know if this is fact, but we'll ask somebody. He would continue to work out until the st- last game of the Stanley Cup finals, and then he would take his time off. Okay, so why, I, why would he do that? I guess because so he my- was skating. You're saying? I don't know if he was skating or just, well, he's a workout fiend, right? So, I mean, you know, like guys, their season would come to an end, a halt, whether it's regular season or first round or whatever. Guys would take two or three weeks off. I guess Brindamore would work out from the time he was eliminated to the time the Stanley Cup was won, and then he would take his time off. So almost like so that his body was programmed to go until the end of June. That's what I'm talking about. So Rod Brennamore played 21 years in the National Hockey League, okay? Played 1,484 games. He missed the playoffs 10 times. 10 times. So storied career, but he, he missed the playoffs half the time. And when you are missing the playoffs like that and you're taking these extra long um, layoffs, it affects your game. There's no question about it. So I believe that the best way to alter your training so you can stay relevant and play meaningful games is to be playing at the world championships. If you have the opportunity to go there and you're somewhat of a younger player, you should be going there. Now I understand Owen Power would have an opportunity to play for Canada, but Owen Power has had a whirlwind of hockey in the last 
two years, but you know, going all the way back to being drafted and the rigmarole of him being dragged all over the country and going over to the world championships and then going to, you know, play for Michigan. It's, I mean, he has had so much on that young man's plate. He needs time to deflate mentally for him to be in a position to train like a savage this summer. So I like the idea of him taking that time off to have some time to, to rest mentally before he starts his training. And Victor Olofsson obviously has the opportunity to play for Sweden, but he, number one, had an injury to his wrist where it grossly affected him. He went 28 games without scoring a goal, which is unheard of for this player. Um, so I, I, I understand that he's going to take this time off. He wants to heal himself, and he also does not have an NHL, NHL contract, which means something, okay? So these are things that I can understand with them, but when you, you know Samuelson goes to the minors, Krebs goes to the minors, Fitzgerald goes to the minors, I think this is great for these younger players to be having their body being trained to play in playoff series, Okay. Gergensen, I don't know. Is he going to play for Latvia? He's getting older. He's you know dealing with uh, dealing. I with, don't want um, him playing. He's had a he's had a brutal couple of years of injuries. Yeah. So so Gergensen, I wouldn't want playing. Okay, I would hope that he would take the opportunity to heal himself and really train and 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 get to where he needs to be because he's going to be important. Darlene. Yoki Haru, they're going to be playing for Finland and Sweden. Those are two guys that are no-brainers. They're young, they're 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 strong. They've been in the league a couple of years. This is a great opportunity for them to play for their country. Tage Thompson. I would think that Tage Thompson would be playing for the US. There's no question about it. Again, just scored 30. How many to get? 38. 38. Should have been 39. Thanks, Kinsey. But still, like 38 goals. Okay. You want like continue? He to- blew his shoulder out. Like this is his first year, first full healthy year of NHL hockey. He's been hurt every year. He had the one injury, he sat out for a year and a half between his shoulder injury and COVID and everything else. It's like, why are we doing this? Because like, he needs to continue. No, he doesn't. Yes, he what, does. What do you mean? He just proved what he can do in the National Hockey League. Why does he have to go and try and prove himself against, how do I say this nicely, Uh, B-list Olympians? Like, I'm sorry to put it that way, but it's it's true. And I'm not trying to take away from your world championship. Like, it's a great experience. Well, you kind of are. You You know, it's exactly what you're doing. So, like, when I won my gold medal at the World Championships and had to beat out Peter Forsberg, Nicholas Lindstrom, Matt Sundin, like, was that that a fluke? Are those B-list hockey players? No. Okay. No, no, no. So, I don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about B-list. Is Danny Briere a B-list hockey player? Well, that was a unique year, obviously. Oh, it's got- a unique year. Okay. <laughs> anyway, listen. Oh, I think it's anyway. highly I'm beneficial. not backing off my stance. I, I, I just I think it's a complete waste of time. Like, how many, okay, how many Swedes are actually the NH, are, are NHLers? Like, outside of the four guys or five guys that you just mentioned. Like, okay, fine. They had four studs. But, I mean, what about the rest of the team? Like, it just, you know, like, where was it that year, by the way? Uh, it was in Finland. <laughs> no wonder why they went. Anyway. The funny thing is it's in Finland this year also. So I I think I read something that um, it's in the backyard of uh, Yoki Haru. It's in his hometown. So it's, it's a no brainer for him, but I like the idea of having our guys on the ice. If you have the opportunity to continue to skate to, uh, and and you're not playing until, uh, I don't know when the world champ, I probably the end of may. Okay. So you have to be on the ice for the next number of weeks. 
you're going to start to train and strengthen, maybe not lift heavy weight, but you're going to, to strengthen your muscles back up, your tendons, make sure everything's, you know, nice and oiled and ready to go like you're a machine and you're going to go over there and you're going to play exceptionally well and you're going to extend your your hockey season which i think is very very important because i do not like the idea of having guys off for five and a half months even though even though a lot of these guys are going to be on the ice even though they're going to be in the gym training five and a half months mentally being off is a long time so what's uh what's a an extra two weeks going to do in the month of May. That's really going to make that much of a difference. It's going to make the difference of being on the ice for an extra two and a half, three weeks. Yes. That's what it's going to do. You're on the ice playing competitive hockey. When you're at the risk of what at the risk of what there's risk walking across the street. There's risk going to the gym and lifting weights. There's risk uh, going on the boat with your buddy and water skiing and kneeboarding and tubing. And there's risk everywhere. So don't say that there's just risk. It's, it's about risk. To me, it's about risk period. To me, it's about, I don't understand why you have these athletes that are making multi-million dollars playing for teams that are expected to perform here and you put them in harm's way to go play in a tournament that literally means nothing. It's not the, if it were the Olympics or world champion or a uh, world cup, that's one thing that's best on best. And that's an agreement that they have to, to go and play whatever. But this to me, it's just makes, it makes no sense. It has never made sense to me. So it's not like this is me just coming up with this argument. It just, I sit and I think, you know, the Sabres, and I'm only using the Sabres as the example because they're right here in our backyard. They're the team that we see the most. Um, And I just sit and I think after the year that they just had, the finish of the season that they just had, and the importance of next season and everyone being healthy and coming back, why put yourself in that position? That's that's all I'm trying to say. We will not have Jeremy Roenick today. He's going to join us tomorrow. He overslept. The, the old, old alarm clock. Eh? The old Nikita Zadorov alarm clock. Eh. Yeah. So he uh, he said he's, he and I believe him. He's never he's never missed an episode that he's scheduled to come on. He's he's set, and we all do this. I've done it. He set his alarm for PM, not. AM and that'll get you every time. Yes, it will. So that being said, great stuff today. Over and out under the circumstances. And no one knows this. Craig is severely under the weather today. And I can't thank you enough Riv, for your grit and determination to come on and just plow through it. You're a trooper. It's the playoff time, man. Oh, Got to play injured. Yeah, uh, yeah, all that grit. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator 76 And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.